1: I'm Jimmy Evans, co-host of the Marriage Today podcast. Today we have a great teaching for you that I pray grows your marriage and blesses you as you seek to center your marriage on Christ. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to be notified of every new show. God bless you. The word of God offends our natural minds. Mm-hmm. Our, our natural minds can not accept it. Mm-hmm. Now you and I went to church one Sunday morning and uh, we lived in Canyon, Texas. We were 20 years old or so, and uh, we went to this little, little church by a college, and the pastor was preaching on giving. And I first I made $600 a month, we were broke. Uh, you, I think you're either pregnant or Julie was a little baby. He was preaching on tithing and giving. Well, I was shocked, offended, and disgusted through the entire message. And uh, we went home that day, and I, the whole time he was preaching, I just thought I would never, ever, mm-hmm. ever come back to this stinking place. And so we went home, that was that. Well, that afternoon, you told me that you liked his message and you wanted to give. And that, so you gave. Uh, it was $40, but to us, it, was, it should have been $4 million. But that has changed, that has that act has transformed our family generationally. There is no way to calculate over the last 47 years how giving has dramatically changed our lives and our family. The point being, it began by my mind being offended. Mm -hmm. Well, as a marriage counselor, uh, and you know this for all, many of the people that we counsel in marriage, they'll sit there and argue with what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 5, that tells women to honor their husbands and men to love their wives, it's one of the most, I think it's the second most hated scripture in the Bible after the scripture on tithing. But the point being, it's the word of God. It's God's plan A, and there is no plan B. And if we're going to change, if there's going to be a change in our marriage, it means we have to get to a point of reading the word, believing it, and obeying it by faith And then letting that operate in our lives. If you don't have the word as the foundation of your relationship, you're sunk.
0: Well, I I remember thinking, actually this morning I was reading in the scriptures, you know, Ephesians um, that you talk about here. And then Colossians also in Colossians 3, it says the same thing basically of you know, your marriage has to be so important and you have to work on the love and respecting each other. And it gives the the foundation of what a marriage looks like for a couple. Well, it's right after that, it starts talking about children. And you think about that, how profound that is. If you really study scripture of you want your family, your kids, to be okay, make your marriage okay. That's right. I mean, when you love each other the way God says, when you prioritize making, you know, a faith-filled marriage instead of out of fear, your kids are going to line up because they're going to see something that they, that's going to make them feel secure. And they're not going to, you know, I, I just love the way scripture just tells you exactly how things should be.
1: Well, and you're you're the greatest influence on your child's life. And if you're not successful in their your marriage, they won't be there. Mm-hmm. You're setting them up for failure if you live a marriage in front of them that is then that is less than you want for them. And every parent when their child is born, you want them to grow up, get married, have children, grandchildren, you know, that's that's the way mm-hmm. of life. But when you are not obeying the word of God, you don't have the marriage that you should have. And Karen, a lot of that is fear mm-hmm. is that the for example, the the two the two teachings and what I tell people is we were Christians as a young couple, and we had cursed finances and a cursed marriage. And the reason they were cursed is because they weren't in the Word of God. They weren't on the foundation of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. When God healed our marriage and our finances, it's because we overcame our fear. Now, you didn't have a fear of finances. I did, okay? You didn't have a fear of doing what the Bible says related to our marriage. I did. I had a fear of that. But when you face your fears and you Act by faith, it doesn't matter how you feel, don't worship your feelings. Mm-hmm. But when you act by faith and do what the Bible says, related to your marriage, related to every area, that's how you change, that's how change comes. Mm-hmm. But before the Bible blesses you, typically it'll offend you. Yeah. But you have to remember, it's the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It's the Word of God. And you have to get to the point of acting by faith. Now we're gonna go right now, if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, we hope that you'll do that and leave us a review. But Right now we're gonna go to the teaching on The Three Challenges of Change. Our thinking determines how we relate to everyone in our lives including ourselves, okay? Let's just begin with God and then our marriage and then ourselves. The way that you think about God affects the way you relate to God. This is our testimony. Karen and I were two toxic people who got married with completely fallen minds and we tried to impose fallenness, our fallen thinking on each other. Karen hated herself, remember I said, the way we think affects the way we relate to God, our spouse, and ourselves. Karen hated herself, believed that she could not be saved, and God hated her, that's what Karen believed. So when we got saved, the way that Karen thought, you know, Karen loved God now, but he, she just didn't think God could love her. I love the Lord, but I had no concept of a personal relationship. Let me, let's listen to this right now. You can only give away what you have. And if you don't have grace, you can't give it away. And if you're under performance, everybody else around you is under performance. So Karen and I got married with a performance concept of God. Let me tell you some good news about God. He doesn't love you based on how you perform. He loves you in spite of the way you perform. That's called the grace of God. Karen and I were under performance, constantly putting each other under performance, constantly rejecting each other, constantly just in this dance, this painful dance that was caused by the way that we thought about God. Well, the second thing, so so let let me ask this question, very important question. Where did you get your concepts of God? If they didn't come from here, you're in bondage. If what you believe about God did not come from here, if it came from your parents, if it came from television or movies, if it came from friend, if it came from friends or society or whatever, if if you did not get your information, Jesus said, "Are you my disciple? Are you a disciple of mine?" Well, if you are a disciple of mine, you'll have a relationship with this. You'll abide here. The word abide means live, dwell. If you're really a disciple, that will be proved by how you relate to this. And if you relate to this, you're going to know the truth, and it's going to make you free. What if you don't have a relationship with this? You're gonna be in bondage the rest of your lives. Karen and I were set free by this. Psalm 107, 20 says this. God sent his word to heal us and to deliver us from all of our destruction. Our testimony is we were deceived people trying to impose fallen beliefs on each other, fighting like cats and dogs, and what saved us was the truth of the word of God. That's what saved our marriage let me let me, say, let me ask you another question How did you learn about marriage I mean who taught you about marriage your parents marriage society I mean because if you're thinking about marriage came from anything other than this you're in bondage let me talk about the challenges of change when you talk about someone's thinking here, here are the challenges and we're going to read the second most hated passage of scripture in the Bible the most hated passage of Scripture in the Bible is Malachi 3 that talks about tithing. Okay. That's the most hated. Okay. I'm a preacher. I know. Okay. preached about it many times. Okay. Here's the second most hated passage of Scripture in the Bible related to marriage. Ephesians 5 verse 21, Submit to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Well, I've been a marriage counselor for 34 years, and I've never one time read that to a person in having marriage problems and gotten anything other than disgust. I'm talking about Christians. When you have a woman struggling, and by the way, that begins with a very important sentence that says submit to one another in the fear of God. Wives, here's how to do that. Husbands, here's how to do that. Ephesians 5 does not tell women to submit to men and men to rule over women. That's not what it says. It says, men, here's how you submit to your wife. Women, here's how you submit to your husband. Again, Karen and I never talk about who the boss is in our family because Jesus is the boss in our family. Okay, Everything we do is under the authority of Jesus. Listen. So when you read Ephesians 5, there's just like giving, just like tithing, you know, I, I've never preached on tithing, anybody applauded, <laughs> but I've literally seen people get beat red and just get up and leave, talking about tithing. Okay, that's the most hated scripture. The second most hated is that right there about marriage. Submit, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. <laughs> ah, I just love it because I know it just makes everybody mad. Men. Lay your lives down and you serve her as Christ did the church. You nourish and cherish her as you would your own body. See, here's the interesting thing about that scripture. We love what it says about our spouse. Every man's thinking, that's heaven, Jimmy, for my wife to treat me like that. Every woman says that's heaven for me to have a sacrificial husband who nourishes. Amen. Y'all agree? Okay. We love what it says about our spouse. We just don't like what it says about us. And in 34 years of marriage counseling, I've never read this to anybody and they said, Pastor Jimmy, thank you, that settles it for me, I love that. (laughs) I read this and they look at me and it's kind of like, you don't understand, I accidentally married the devil's (laughs) ex-wife. That would just make her mad. Oh yeah. So let me tell you the challenges of change. Using Ephesians 5 as an example, of a scripture that we don't like, and there are many of them, forgiveness, serving, giving, you know, whatever. There's a lot of scriptures we just don't like. Here are the challenges of changing our mind and conforming our mind to the Word of God. Number one, the Word of God offends our natural minds and is foolish to us. It offends us. It offends. The Word of God, there are many times, We're just like the Jews, that Jesus turned to the Jews and told them the absolute truth. And they got mad wanted to kill him. Jesus got killed because he told truth to a society that didn't want to hear it. That's the truth. It it offends our minds. 1 Corinthians 2.14. Again, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. They're foolish. Submission is foolish to the natural mind. Sacrifice and service, laying your life down for your spouse, is foolish. Giving is foolish. Is foolishness. Forgiving is foolishness. It's, it's all foolish to our natural mind. That's the challenge of change. It's because this is this is so offensive to our natural mindset in the way that we think. The world simply doesn't think the way God thinks. This is the way God thinks, right here. Karen and I are babysitting five grandchildren all week long. Okay. The, the beauty is we have twin granddaughters, Julie's Julie and Corey's daughters. They're 14 years old. We have built-in help with 14-year-old. Fourteen-year-old girls—they're going to be wonderful—and then Brent and Stephanie, their nine-year-old daughter Kate is wonderful. And but then we have uh, wonderful grandsons, but uh, four-year-old Reed and two-year-old Luke, and they're the ones we're all going to have to help, you know. And so I'm going home to a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Okay. Let me ask you this question, okay? Like in parenting, have you ever, like a four-year-old? Let's use a four-year-old as an example. Have you ever said to a four-year-old? child you need to go pick up your toys now have you ever had a four-year-old say that makes sense to me (laughs) you know mom and dad I'm just a four-year-old kid I need a lot of help here I have very limited life experience you obviously have a lot of experience that I can draw from and can I say anytime you see me doing something I shouldn't be doing will you tell me Because I need someone like you speaking into my life. And I'm just thankful that God gave me a mom and dad like you. Love you guys. Love you guys. Is that what happens when you tell a four-year-old go pick up your toys? Children are offended a hundred times a day. Go pick up your toys. (laughs)
0: I'm going home to that.
1: Pray for Pastor Jimmy. They're all day long, they're offended. Why? Because their natural mind. Let me say this Is it right to teach them responsibility? Is it right to say, now you go make up with your sister? You go make, it, that's right. okay? All day long, parents are telling children right things, right? They're offended all day long. And when they turn teenagers, it gets 10 times worse. Because now they're geniuses. You say, I want you to do this and this. I know that. I've like been on the web all day. I got like 300 likes. Yeah I was never like that, but Being a parent just means offending your child all the time by being a good parent. You're telling them the truth. Why don't they receive it? Because they're foolish. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Right? It's gotten real quiet in here. Right? I know your children may be with you, but okay. And and for the the teenagers here, that didn't apply to you. I know you're not like that. They're foolish, so the truth doesn't make any sense to them, but a loving parent says it to them to protect them, right? So when God offends us, is he being a loving parent telling us truth to protect us? Hmm? You bet he is, and why don't we listen to it? Because we're foolish and we have fallen minds. And he says, I want you to be a giver, I want you to be generous. I want you to be a forgiver, I want you to love your enemies. Husbands, I want you to love that wife I gave you the way I love the church, I want you to lay your life down for her. Women, I want you to honor that man you have there, he represents me in your home. All the truth of the Bible that offends us comes from a loving God, and we can either be children, immature, down here rejecting the Word of God and trying to live based on our fallenness. Or we can get to the point where the Word of God doesn't offend us any longer because we say, God, we want you to teach us. We admit that we need help, but the Word of God offends our natural minds. It's always offensive to our natural minds. That's the first challenge of change. We have to get over the offensiveness of the Word of God. The Word of God requires us to act in faith contrary to our feelings. In the, it does. The word of God comes and says, act above your feelings. Well, well, what are my feelings? Fear. Uh, Second Corinthians nine, going back to the issue of giving. Second Corinthians nine says, "Let let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of compulsion. Listen to me. I know you want to give. Everyone wants to give. Why don't we give? Fear. Fear ruled our home. Fear ruled our home. Why did I treat Karen the way I treated her? Well, deception, but fear. Fear if I did what the Bible said that, you know, it wouldn't work and it would make things worse. It was true of giving, it was true of the way I treated Karen, we both lived in fear. And the Word of God comes to us and it says, by faith, act like God loves you, by faith. I know you may not feel like God loves you, but by faith, act as though you have a Father in heaven who cares about all your needs. Pray and believe in faith. By faith, forgive, believing it's the right thing to do and God will bless you for it. By faith, treat your spouse the way the word tells you to treat your spouse and believe God that it's gonna work in your marriage and help your marriage. By faith. So the word of God, the challenge of the word of God is it doesn't cater to our feelings, it acts contradictory to our feelings. But when we honor it, it comes true and our fear becomes faith. It heals us. Number three, the Word of God contradicts our deeply held beliefs we believe are true. The the Pharisees believed that they were better than everybody else. That's what they believed. The, The Jews who believed in Jesus believed that they were the pinnacle of freedom on the earth. And if everyone believed like them, they would be the pinnacle of freedom. And by the way, the Pharisees had memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Pentateuch. They knew it. They could recite it. And Jesus said, "If you're my disciples, you'll abide in my word, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free." And and they're like, "Did he just tell? Did he just tell me that I need to abide in the word? I am the word, baby. Just tell me a verse, I'll quote it to you. And you're, you're telling me that I need more of the word." Jesus said, "Exactly. You're mean spirited and you kill people. You need more love." And you may know the Bible, but if you don't know about love, you don't know truth. See, we have deeply held beliefs that may be wrong. The number one condition of being set free is a teachable spirit. Jesus said, if you're my disciples indeed, you will know the truth. You'll abide in the word and the truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. The word disciple is the Greek word methetes. It means learner, a learner. A teachable spirit is simply a spirit that comes to God and says, I want you to teach me. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a clean sheet of paper. Related to everything I believe, I want every thought in my mind to conform to this. The worst marriage in the world is two deceived people trying to impose their deception on each other. And I just described most marriages. The most beautiful marriage in the world is two people who have been Conform to the Word of God, completely unified under the Word of God, because they're both thinking in union with God. That's our marriage. We're not perfect, but when you take our marriage today versus our marriage 30, 43 years ago, Karen and I have been transformed by the Word of God because we sit at the feet of God asking Him to teach us both individually together. Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, if you're really my disciples, it will be proved by your teachable spirit. If you're really a learner, you're gonna abide in my word. Here's another thing that is a condition of being set free, is a commitment to the word of God as the standard of truth in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a source of truth, this is the standard of truth on the earth. This is the book that all other books are measured by. I don't care if a man says it, I don't care if a movie says it, I don't care if a so-called expert says it, if it disagrees with this, I'm choosing this over every other source of truth. This is the source of truth. As a parent, our daughter Julia's a little over 40 years old um, and we made a decision over 40 years ago that we were gonna raise our children based on the word of God. Forty years later, I'm so thankful that we based our parenting on an eternal standard of truth, and I'm thankful that our grandchildren are being raised the same way. But if we would have chosen a worldly source of information, that source would have changed 15 times, and we would have wasted our parenting on an unreliable source of information. This is the standard of truth. The third is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word of God. John 1, 12, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was with God, he was in the beginning with God. Jesus Christ is the word of God. This is alive. It is a part of the spirit of Christ who dwells within us. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, Hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out xomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.